0: It's time for the moment you've been waiting for.
1: You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of PhileasFlyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am your host, Mark Ginone. Joined as always by my partner in crime from down in the nation's capital, the one, the only, the focal point of this episode, Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, bud? My
0: man, what's going on? Everything's good. It's the dog days of summer. It's like a thousand degrees in oh. Philly and it's like a thousand and fifty degrees <laughs> in D.C. It's like every day you go outside and it's an inferno. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it. you know, but I guess it's this global warming <laughs> thing. That could be another episode.
1: Yeah, but, it could and it, Conspiracy uh, theory episode, which would be nice.
0: But also, we made it to a um, uh, milestone that I can't even believe we got to. You have to to let the fans know.
1: Yeah, so this is the 50th episode of getting bullied, and I don't know. We what is this? Probably our this is our second full season of doing this. I don't know. I don't even know how. I'm so lost. I feel like the older I get, the more I lose track of time and, like, how long things have been going on for. I just know that every it's, day – Trust I'm getting, me.
0: It's going to get a lot
1: worse. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I just know that every day I'm getting closer to, you know, just forgetting everything and my my children putting me away. So it's, it's all exciting things. <laughs> your children
0: or are you something else, no, else you want to no share with
1: – No, with no, your no, 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 no. There's okay. not even a, a prospective wife. Not that you need one of those these days. It could be, you know – that's a whole other thing. We can get into that maybe uh, another time.
0: We've got great listeners, huh? 50 episodes. They, they've listened to us torture them about Flyers stuff. They've, they're great, man.
1: There hasn't been a lot of good to talk about in 50 episodes. Have <laughs> you noticed that? There's been, I feel like there's always a common theme. The most fun we well, have has been in the summers talking about prospects, which lo and behold yeah. we're doing today. But when it comes to the actual season, it's just kind of like it's the same theme. Goalie problems, which hopefully are over. And just, you know, the usual flyers, ups, you know, little ups, mostly downs of a season and no playoffs. That's going to
0: change this season. Yes, this upcoming season, there's going to be positivity. We're going to come out of the gate strong. Mm -hmm. It's going to be completely different. And we said the same thing last year, but gosh darn it, this year it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, we'll say the same things forever. But I know this, I, I feel like, and I know it for a fact because I see the numbers on every episode we do. The ones where we're talking about the world famous Dan Silver top twenty flyers prospect list is the one that we get the most buzz, people listen to the most, and rightfully so. I mean you there's a lot of players that hurt through when you're making this list, and I don't know how long it takes you. You can kind of touch on that. I don't know how long it takes. I don't know, you know, how how much time you give your significant other when this list is coming out when the creating of it is going on but i mean you you did it again it's another lengthy read and there's a lot of videos so you you give the visual of the player you know some players that people probably have never seen play a game and there's people like you that kind of keep them informed and you're doing a great service to flyers fans i have to tell you
0: thanks man well you know it's uh yeah, I've got a. Obviously, this is not either of our our regular jobs, and so I, uh, you know, especially since I've moved down to to DC, and I'm uh, got my uh, official life partner here, um, you know, and she can't stand the flyers, but that's a, another discussion. But you know, yeah, time is is there's not as much time to work on articles, and I, you know, as as people know, I like to put a lot of. Time and kind of research into my articles. I don't like putting out just kind of like newsy types things. The type the articles I'm putting out are typically take a lot longer to to put together. Um, and uh, and the the prospects one's my favorite. I mean, I do it twice a year. I do it after the World Junior Championships because I like watching that, and you kind of get to see how a lot of these kids are playing against their peers uh, in the same type of competitive atmosphere. So I love doing one in January, and then obviously. Uh, you get to July and August, and the uh, seasons behind us. So we get to see how these prospects finished out their season, and then of course there's the NHL draft. So you want to add those guys in, and so it you know it takes me about a month to to put this thing together because I like you know I'm pretty organized. I like trying to get all my video clips together, and then I get the rankings together, and then I kind of I'll do a I'll do two or three players a day unless I get some more time, and then I'll keep working through it. But um, definitely, a, a, you know, it's kind of cathartic as, as a Flyers fan. And I think it might be the same way for some of the listeners out there is that we really like, uh, we, we, we haven't had a lot of positivity going around, but the prospects are, right? The Flyers have still the deepest prospect pool in the league. I mean, I, there's not another pool out there where you've got guys ranked 20th who could be NHL players. So, right. you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun for me to put this thing together.
1: So I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil something real quick for everybody. This is the first one. This is the first list that I've seen of yours where Carter Hart is not number one because he's no longer a prospect. He is he's our starting goalie, which is exciting. So just in, in case anybody for whatever reason hasn't read hasn't read it yet, there's one name right off the board for you to. He's not even on the list because he's our guy now. Um, what I want well, to fact,
0: do. One factor, real quick, is that actually the first list I ever did, I had Carter Hart ranked below Felix Sandstrom, which wow. I took a lot of grief for. That was probably two and a half years ago. Holy um, and of course, these the list can be found over at uh, itsphiliusflyer dot if you want to kind of take a look at that and follow right. along. But um, but yeah, Carter Hart not on the list any longer. It was nice being able to actually debate who I was going to have number one, mm-hmm. and it is, was a good debate this year.
1: It's good. It's good to have internal debate as long as it's not major life decisions. But what I wanted to do with the list is kind of – I think over the you know the last couple of times we've done this, we've started at the top, worked our way down. I wanted to do it in reverse order because I'm kind of – I see the NFL has their top 100 players, and they're always starting at the bottom. So we'll build suspense. We'll go from the bottom up. And so we'll just talk because as, as I read here, there was – I guess there was some debate – also in your head of who makes the final cut number 20 and as you all as you always do there's the honorable mention the guys that you know were in the mix but for one reason or another didn't make it and you have a newcomer to the list and he was drafted in the fourth round in this past draft and it's defense and, defenseman mason millman so what can you tell everybody about the newcomer to the Flyers organization and the Dan Silver prospect list?
0: Yeah, so I actually uh it was like a um I put a lot of thought into who I wanted number twenty and I wanted to put a guy who I did this list in tiers. And mm-hmm. this was kind of like a tier unto itself because I wanted to put somebody who I felt like had a lot of upside, but probably, you know, not as high of a floor as some of the guys who I put down as honorable mentions. You know, I've got guys like uh, Wyatt Kalanuck, David Cachet as honorable mentions guys, Carson Torensky that are probably you know, could potentially be NHLers, but I wanted to put a guy up there that I, I think has the skill set to potentially become a second pairing defenseman in the NHL. So Mason Millman's a guy that they took in the fourth round of the recent draft and you know, it's, there's a lot of – what's funny is you'll see – you look at some of the pre-draft rankings and you'll see guys ranked 15th, 16th and end up going in the third round or in the fourth round. And a lot of that is because once you get into the – once you get into the, the second, third, fourth round of these drafts, you've got scouts for for NHL teams that kind of – they want to give each scout kind of a, a shot to, um, to weigh in on a guy that maybe – They've seen play a lot. Who, for whatever reason, hasn't really uh, had a chance to showcase skills. I'll use like Morgan Frost as an example. And he was obviously he was a first round pick, but he was a late first round pick by the Flyers. Um, and he's a guy who his draft season was kind of buried on the third line for a lot of the year, and then late in the season, uh, he he was elevated and got some more ice time and. and Flyer scouts obviously really loved him and they, they thought they'd done a deep dive on him and thought that he was the kind of guy who with more ice time was going to really uh, blow up and shine. And that's what happened with him. And this is obviously not near that type of skill set we're talking about. But Mason Millman's a defenseman, 18 um, year old defenseman who uh, <laughs> plays in the OHL with Saginaw and didn't really get a ton of ice time for that team. He was the youngest regular defenseman on their roster. And he's a guy who I'm guessing that the Flyer Scout who covers that region in the OHL kind of fell in love with Mason Millman because the stats don't suggest that he should have been drafted in the fourth round or drafted at all. And then so that's that's when you see a guy drafted like that, it kind of makes you think, especially when he's not like a big physical defenseman. And he's not. And then you went read a little bit more about him. On him, and then you go to development camp, and his skills really stick out. Mason Millman is a plus skater. Uh, he's he's very smooth skater. He's fast. He's got good anticipation on the ice. He's a, he's a good passer. You can just tell. There's some guys you can just tell when you're watching. They have the raw skills to get a lot better. Travis Sanheim's an example. Again, he went in the first round, but he was a the guy they took because of his potential, not because of necessarily what he'd done his draft year in the WHL. So Mason Millman is a guy that I was just really impressed with in development camp, and I wanted to put a guy in here that I would call my wild card because I will not be surprised if Millman has a (laughs) huge draft plus one season coming up and kind of really goes up the list. So he's a guy that I'm excited about, and I wanted to include on my list, even though he probably won't be on most Flyers fans' top 20 lists.
1: Mm -hmm. So... I, I, outside of him, what I'm seeing here for the rest of the list, um, at 19, you have Adam Ginning, 18, Ginning. Tanner Lisinski uh, I'll just kind of go through it real quick, then, I'll, then we'll get you to uh, touch on everybody, uh, 17, Nicholas Albeku bell who I know you've talked a lot about, you've always wanted, you know, you're always pushed for him to be with the Flyers, and at 16, you have Noah Cates, so, I mean, it's really... Hey, again, it's kind of the same names that we've seen the last few years. Um, Albe Kubel obviously is with the Phantoms. Um, all these guys are at different levels of their development, um, so I, I kind of want to start with Albe Kubel because there's there's a lot of debate going on on Flyers Twitter between fans of you know prospects that could start the season with the Flyers, and obviously you know everyone's talking about Frost, Farabee, um, even Ratcliffe. Get some mention here and there. Albeku Bell's with the Phantoms. He's been with them for a little bit now, and he was with the Flyers for a bit last year. And you know, obviously, wasn't there for a long period of time. But so, what does Albeku Bell have to do in training camp in the preseason to get that nod on that fourth line to start the season with the Flyers?
0: So Alba Kubel and Sam Moran, who's a little bit higher up on my list, are both in the same situation where the Flyers cannot send them down to the Phantoms uh, unless they clear waivers. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that if the Flyers don't want to keep those two players on their roster, then any other NHL team is going to have a chance to claim them for nothing. So that's the reason why I think that Sam Moran is probably um, a near cinch to make the Flyers as their seventh defenseman because I just don't think that they want to risk losing him to waivers. Aby Kubel may be a little bit of a different case, but I still don't think that he's a guy that the Flyers want to lose to waivers. He's, he was a big-time goal scorer in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He came up, he really struggled his first year with the Phantoms, but his second year with the Phantoms, which was two years ago, he, uh, he was one of the best even-strength players in the AHL. Last year, he started out good. He was called up to the Flyers early in the season, and Dave Hacks just didn't play him for whatever reason. You know, he played six game- six minutes and then five minutes and whatever, and then they eventually sent him back down. But I actually thought that Abwe Kubel played pretty well when he was up with the Flyers in his limited ice time. He's, uh, he's very aggressive. He's a good penalty killer. He can add in some offense. To me, he's the perfect fourth-line NHL player because mm-hmm. of his aggressiveness. His physicality, and he can also chip in with some goals and play the penalty kill. So, I would think that Ali Kubell has a shot to make uh, the, the Flyers' roster and be on that fourth line. But I think that even if that doesn't happen, just because of his waiver status, I think that you could see him make the team as like the extra forward that they carry, but he doesn't suit up every night. All right.
1: Well, you know, it'd be good. It- What's good is there's a lot there's a lot of young talent and you know he he is a really good player to have on that fourth line just by his style of play. So the other guys that I mentioned that were on you know <clears throat> that I ran through Ginning, Lisinski. Ginning, Yinning, It's a soft Yenning. G. Oh, it's, it's, a, yes. it's a Y sound. Okay. Yes. Um, and Noah Cates. What's what's which of these guys stand out to you the most? What do you what do you like about these guys where they keep coming back to this list year after year? Well, yeah, just
0: quickly. So, Yinning is a guy who was a perplexing pick to Flyers fans when they took him in the second round last year. He's a defensive defenseman. And in today's NHL, there's not a whole lot of room for that. Sam Moran's the same thing, defensive defenseman. But what I've seen from Adam Yinning in international play is that he's been very good against forwards like Brady Kachuk and Jack Hughes and Joel Farabee in not letting them get to the net. And I think that Adam Yinning He's a guy who's been playing international hockey for Sweden since he's been 16 years old. He's been playing against men. I, he to me he he's going to be an NHL defenseman. It's probably going to be a third pairing guy, but I still think there's room for someone like that in the NHL. Same thing for Sam Moran. And you know, over at the Athletic, Charlie O'Connor did a great interview with um, Flair for the Flyers, the assistant GM, and they talked about Moran. And they're they're clearly pretty excited about um, the potential that Moran brings to the team, and so I, I think that you know him and Yenning are similar type of players. Moran's probably a, a, plays a little nastier. Um, and then I, the guy on this in this tier who I think has the biggest upside is Noah Cates. He's a guy who won a national championship last year with the University of Minnesota Duluth. He's going to be going back there for, I believe, what is going to be his uh, sophomore season. Um and he's a guy who he, he's listed at six one one eighty, but he plays bigger than that. He's been he was on the, the US world junior team last year. He's he he hustles on every shift, he plays in all situations. They were using him on the penalty kill, the power play, even strength. And he's a guy who's got great skill. And I think that he could uh you know, he he could be a third line NHL player with upside to maybe even be a, a second liner. Uh, but so Noah Cates is probably my favorite of the guys in this tier, and uh, I think he's gonna have another big year at Minnesota Duluth, and, and probably see him turning pro next
1: season. So uh, a guy that we touched on a little bit ago, but and he again, again this is somebody uh, at number fifteen. We have Sam Moran. He is a guy that he has so much debate around him between Flyers fans because he's been around seemingly forever and we know not much about him as a player because he's had a lot of injuries and now he's at like you already mentioned he's at the point where if the Flyers don't keep him on the roster to start the season he has to go through waivers and the chances of him making it through waivers and going back to the Phantoms are unlikely so my I mean here's the thing with with Sam Moran he has he has the intangibles to be an NHL defenseman he has the size he has the strength you know he's that porch clear that the Flyers obviously would like to have, but the Flyers have a crowded blue line. We saw what they did already this off season, um, and all the young players that they already have. Shane Gaspar is still on the team, even though there was some de- there was some speculation that he might be traded at some point. And it hasn't happened yet. I can't imagine it's going to at this point. So. I mean, do you see him cracking the six defensemen that are going to start every game, or is he the seventh? Is he the odd man out? Is he the seventh defenseman, or do the Flyers just cut ties with him?
0: No, I he's well. First of all, he's not going to be in the top six. I mean, right now the Flyers' defense is pretty set. Of course, this is assuming that Ivan Provorov actually signs before right. the start of the season. But if assuming that Provorov signs, which I still think he probably will, you're looking at top pairing Provorov and he's going to set pairing of Sandheim and Braun and the third pair would be Myers and Ghost and that's that's pretty set in stone unless program doesn't sign or if they trade uh, Ghost which at this point is highly unlikely then you still have Robert Haig to deal with and Moran and I still I mean I think that they're more intrigued with Moran than Haig just from some quotes I've seen and I agree with that like I think Moran should have made the team a couple years ago over Haig out of training camp but he didn't and then he blew out his knee. But I, I think that Moran makes sense as the seventh defenseman. They could carry eight defensemen, uh, Haig and Moran. But no, I don't think either Haig nor Moran is going to be in the top six. I think Moran makes more sense as the seventh than maybe try and trade away Hague. But uh, but yeah, I think Moran will only get a shot if there's an injury is what I would guess. <clears throat> All
1: right. So the next couple guys, we have we're up here 13 and 14. And I think these are actually some pretty – Interesting names. At 13, you have Jay O'Brien, who fell three spots. Your last ranking, you had him at 10. And just under him at 14, you have Mikhail Vorobiev, who we saw get some playing time with the Flyers last year, and obviously it didn't work out too well for him, and he spent the majority of the season with the Phantoms. I want to start with O'Brien because um, for the season he had in Providence, and obviously he only did the one season for uh, – for Providence, and now he's going to be in the BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League, which is the lower tier junior league. But he had an injury plague season. He had the concussion. He had some other stuff after that when he finally did return. And he, when he, before the concussion, he was starting to come into his own and then ah, obviously got shut down. So Jay O'Brien <coughs> leaving the NCAA for uh, the lower tier junior league. What do you see in him still? Do you expe- I mean obviously you expect him to turn things around from last season. I don't think anybody really believes that Jay O'Brien is the player that he showed last season. I think it was just a series of unfortunate events for him. But what do you see in him still that makes him, you know, one of the 13 best prospects for the Flyers?
0: Well, again, you know we're talking about a kid who was taken in the first round last year. So it's hard to it's hard to drop too far from being a first-round pick in one season. He just had a, a season from hell. I mean, he he – first off, last summer, I didn't know what to think because, you know, he he was basically playing in high school and was taken in the first round of the draft and playing against guys that he was just so much better than. You couldn't really get a read. And then I, I saw him at development camp, and I saw him at the World Junior Championship Summer Showcase where he was terrific. And so he vaulted up my rankings based on that. Um, unfortunately – At Providence, he just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, he started off slow and then he took a high hit and was concussed and then he came back and was injured again. And then he came back and he was probably still feeling some of the ill effects of that injury. He scored, he scored one really nice goal, which you can see in, in in the piece that I put together, but he just never got on track. He went and played for team USA at the world junior championships, but he didn't really play. He was stapled to the bench most of the time. And so he's, Clearly, he's left Providence, and it sounds like he wants to go to Boston University, but you've, you've got to, to transfer in the NCAA, you've got to sit out a season right? unless you get approval from Providence, and they, they wouldn't give it to him. So he's going to play in the BCHL, which is a lower-tier league. It's clearly going to be a longer burn for O'Brien, because this mm-hmm. year he's got to go back, he's got to prove at uh, Peneticton, or uh, let's see, how do you pronounce it? Let's see how it's spelled. He's going to play for penticton of the bchl the british columbia hockey league basically a lower tier canadian juniors so he's gonna have to prove there that he's on the radar again and then he's gonna go to Boston university most likely and then hopefully you know have a good season there so he's you know he's probably three years away from turning pro two to three years away and he's like he's got the talent he's not super skilled but he uh he's got some skill, and he's he's uh, he's a very fast skater. He's got a good shot. He he'd be kind of a prototypical third line winger in the NHL, uh, but uh, he's he's got to prove it. He's got to stay healthy.
1: So, what about Varobiev? I mean, he had the, he started the season. He had a good he had a good preseason with the Flyers. He obviously had a good training camp with them. He started the season with them, and then it just kind of it, it looked to me like the spotlight got a little too big for him at the NHL level, and he didn't look like he was the same guy. Um, I mean, and obviously when you're playing in the preseason, you're you're playing against, you know, you're not going up against the, the creme de la creme, uh, not to, you know, to foreshadow a little bit on your list. Uh, you're not going against the best of the best that the NHL has to offer. So, um, you know, what, what's the deal here with with Vorobiev? Is he just kind of, I mean, you have him here as the NHL upside a third-line center, which, you know, is fine. But the Flyers are pretty well they're pretty They're pretty well off right now, their top three center. So what's the deal with Varobiev this season and going forward? Yeah, I mean, he
0: started out. He was the story of training camp last right. year. He his, was so good suits. in training camp. He's been a guy I've been high on. He's got all the physical tools. He's 6'2". He's 2'10". He's a great passer. He's a uh, decent skater. He's got great hockey IQ. And he was great in training camp. And then he came up with the flyers, and he just looked tentative. You know, he yeah. just didn't – he just didn't look like he fit in and he was sent down and then he was given another chance in February. And again, he didn't look good. Um, you know, you only get so many chances to, to, to make the NHL, especially with the same team. So he's a guy that we'll see what happens in training camp. I mean, the flyers are set down the middle. They've got, um, Katurier, they've got Hayes, they've got Patrick, and then you got to think that Scott Lawton is probably the fourth line center. I mean, look, right. if Verobio blows the doors off, maybe he can force Lawton to the wing and be the fourth line center. But I think there's question marks right now in the organization if he can be a fourth line center. It seems like he kind of like needs to be out there a decent amount and needs to kind of be a horse for the team. And there's no, there ain't no quick path to, to the third line center on mm-hmm. this team because yeah. Nolan Patrick and and Kevin Hayes have got the 2C and the 3C locked down for a while. So, you know, um, I think that you're looking at a situation where Vorobiev, they may look to trade him at some point during the season is what, what I would predict. But I still I still think that he's only 22 years old. I still see a, a pretty good NHL player in there. I'm just not sure it's going to be with the Flyers.
1: All right. All right. So real quick, we'll touch on 11 and 12, and then we'll get on the top 10. Um, 12, you have Linus Ogberg. Um, who I know that you spoke for. Alex hot. will
0: be, will be uh, Alex Appleyard, our, our friend who comes on the show from The Athletic, will be really impressed with your pronunciation there.
1: Is that right? I did it that well. I've heard you guys talk about him so much, I've, I've heard yeah, much. yeah.
0: Well, he would say, Alex in his you know, professor voice would say, you know, Linus Ogbert. right? But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm impressed you didn't do the heavy H, you did the soft H. Well,
1: thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. um, and then 11. Um, A guy that I like a lot, and I'm excited that he's going to be with the Phantoms this season because I think if if all goes according to plan, next season, not this one coming up, but the 2020 season, we're looking at the goalie tandem of Carter Hart and number 11 on your list, Felix Sandstrom. So real quick, you can start with whoever you want of the two, but just give everybody a rundown of, you know, uh, for what it is right now, I'm looking at it, I just realized you didn't even have Felix Sandstrom ranked, and now he's number 11 on the list, so if you want to start with him, that's fine, if you want to start with Ogberg, that's also fine, take it away, it's all up to you.
0: Well, well, Sandstrom or Sandstorm, as I call him, he has uh, he's been a yo-yo on my list, I mean, right. yeah, he, he you know, Flyers took him in the third round, he was named the best goalie at the World Juniors, he was just been so good at the development camps, I had put him above Carter Hart in my first rankings, I think it was was like number five and number six and i took a lot of heat for it and understandably so when you look at how things turned out but mm-hmm. felix anstrom has had a lot of injury issues he had a strange injury um, a couple years ago it was like they called it a high hernia and he was dehydrated all the time and out of breath and then he uh he came back and he played for a different team in the swedish hockey league last year and he struggled at the beginning but at the towards the end of the season. Felix Sandstrom really became the Felix Anstrom that I think Flyers fans thought that he could become and he, he was really good down the stretch and then he came over and he played one game for the Phantoms and he made 40 saves the Phantoms won the game 4-3 to three. he made 40 saves he is just, he's more athletic than Carter Hart, he makes acrobatic highlight reel saves he, uh, I love watching Felix Sandstrom play he, he, he's got the tools to become a very good NHL goalie And I think that coming over to North America is going to be great for him. You know, he, he's, I sort of fell in love with him watching him at the three on three flyers development camp tournament. And I'm going to, this coming over to North America, the ice surface is going to be smaller going from the North, going from the Swedish surface to the North American surface. And I think that that might help him out a little bit. I think that, uh, I'm very excited like you are to see him with the Phantoms this year. And I would suspect that if he plays well, that yes, it'll be a very cheap goaltending duo of Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom for 2020-2021, where between our two goalies, we're paying them $1.5 sure. which means that uh, you know that that's a huge advantage. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big Sandstrom fan. I also really love Linus Ogbear. I'm disappointed because I don't know if the flyers are going to sign him. The, the situation with players drafted out of Sweden is that I think there's four years before they become unrestricted free agents. And so if the flyers don't sign Oak by next summer, he can go to whatever NHL team he wants. I watch him and I see a guy who's perfect for today's NHL. He is a very good skater. He's a terrific passer. He's got great hockey sense. Um, you know he scored 10 points in the shl last year and that again that doesn't might not sound impressive but that was second among all defensemen under the age of 21 in that league that that's their
1: top league out there too yeah
0: that's the top league professionals i really like linus ogbear i think he could become a second pair NHL D man i'm just worried that the flyers haven't signed him yet so Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens but he's a guy i'd love to see them sign.
1: Let me ask you this: You mentioned about um, Sandstrom, the smaller ice surface going from Sweden to North America. Do you think? I mean, you said it would help him, but th- I would imagine that the smaller ice surface obviously it changes the angles that the shots are becoming in. It makes everything more condensed. Wouldn't that? I, I would think that would make things a little bit more difficult for a goalie and, and, and not easier for them.
0: Well, I guess the where I'm coming from is that he was he's been so good in that three B three.
1: Um, right, right.
0: Because there's less room for forwards to operate. And I think that um, I, I I need to think about how to kind of explain it, you know. But right. my gut sense is just that going from a larger ice surface is going to be a, better going to a smaller one. Um, just think about it like this. I mean, if the, the, when you're playing the difference between outdoor soccer and indoor soccer I don't know if if there's soccer players out there or when you're playing in tighter spaces raw athleticism and skill kind of comes into play a little more than um, and this might not be the case for goalies but athleticism comes into play when and and reaction times come into play when it's a smaller surface right because it's it's not as large a field of play um, there's not as much time to react and I just think that those are types of things that are going to really mess with his skill set. Yeah. I'm probably not explaining it properly, but I do
1: think on the smaller surface he'll be a little better. All right, maybe we'll consult a goalie guru who could who could help us out with that one. Uh, all right, so now we're into the top ten, and these are going to be the familiar names that everyone's you know heard of, have probably seen because there's some guys, there's some phantoms mixed in here. Um, there's a there's a so I'll, I'll go eight nine ten. I have uh, eight. Well, not I. You have a uh, Igor Zamula, who again a big uh, he was a big talking point in the preseason last year. Nine German Rupsov and number ten Wade Allison. So Rupsov, obviously, I know you you like his skill, and it seems like he's having a hard time catching on. Um, you know, he he has all the intangibles. It seems like for for one reason or another, he's having a hard time taking that next step. Uh, since he's been with the phantom so what do you see in him where do you see things kind of going for him as he progresses in his career
0: you know he's one of these prospects who i've had a very hard time figuring out what he's gonna become Mm -hmm. because you watch him play i can tell by his
1: upside you have him a second line winger or a third line center
0: you watch him play and uh he's got ton of compete level. I've always been so impressed with just how hard he competes. I mean he's a guy at his first Flyers development camp. He was out there drilling players and he was the only one doing it. Um, he's got a huge he's got a high level of skill. He scores, you'll see him score highlight real goals. Uh, he but here's the thing he didn't really produce in in over in Russia. And then he came over to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League his first season, which was three years ago and he was great at the end of the year and he put up numbers that were would have were really good for a draft plus one player that's the the year after guys drafted but then in his next season his his final season in the in the uh, Quebec major Junior Hockey League he, the numbers just weren't there and he mm-hmm. look he had some injuries but he's always that's one of his problems last year with the phantoms I wasn't expecting much because of how poor his numbers were in the juniors he came in and last year with the phantoms He put up, where's the numbers? He put up really good numbers with the Phantoms. He scored uh, 10 points in his first 14 games. That's a really good scoring rate for a first year professional. And he scored some really nice goals, but then he injured his shoulder and he needed surgery and he was out the rest of the season. So we're basically talking about a lost season for him. However, before it became a lost season, he played much better in the AHL than I expected. You know, some people have theorized that, that Rupsov is very good defensively. He's an extremely uh, defensively aware forward. And some people have kind of theorized that because he spent so much time concentrating on defense, that he hasn't really developed the offensive side of his game. And I could buy into that a little bit. I I do, I do. think that the key for him is going to be staying healthy. I think if he stays healthy, it does seem to me that he's got a shot to... to Take the Flyers' third line wing out of training camp. I think he's in that conversation with Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost. Mm. And the other thing about him is you could use him on a fourth line too. He like Farabee or Frost if they make the Flyers need to be on the top three lines. But Ruptsov, because he's so good defensively, could be on a fourth line. I mean, Farabee could too, but I just think he's too good for that. So, you know, the key to Ruptsov is going to be if he stays healthy. He looked great at development camp. He's fully healed and we'll see what happens but he's look he's a former first round pick and he's an
1: exciting prospect. All right. All right, so um another player we're all pretty excited about. He's down with the Calgary Hitmen who and I I think it's one of the best hockey team names in the sport. And it's uh it's Zamula coming in at number 8. His previous ranking was number 5, dropped 3 spots. Um so what, what's the deal with him? I mean, for those that don't watch a lot of juniors, he's now had that full season. He's coming into his second training camp with the Flyers. What can we expect?
0: I've got him higher than almost everyone out there. And I just, I'm ignoring the fact that he wasn't drafted. I mean, look, Phil Myers wasn't drafted. Exactly. And look where he is now. Mm-hmm. Zamula wasn't drafted. The Flyers loved what they saw in development camp. They signed him. And you look at the numbers he had last year. Uh He put up um, 56 points in 61 games as a defenseman in the Canadian juniors, in the WHL. And if you look at that, the guys that are right around him are guys who are taken in the first and second round of the draft. I mean, he's right up there with Kalen Addison, who the Penguins took in the second round of the draft last year. And it's not a case where he's some small defenseman who there's a a question mark of if he's physically going to be okay for the NHL. He's 6'3". Right. He's very skinny right now. He's like 170. He needs to put on weight, but they'll find a way to put weight on him. Some people have questioned his skating ability. I don't know. I watch him play, and I, I think he's a pretty smooth skater. You don't have to be a burner to be a defenseman in the NHL. So I'm I'm really high on Yegor Zamula. I think that he could be a second pair NHL defenseman, and I think that he will uh, he needs to fill out. But I, re- I really like what I see from him.
1: One thing I've noticed also getting older, it's not hard to put on weight. So Yeah. There you go. I think he'll be hard right. I'm not
0: sure you're talking about the same kind of weight that he needs to put no, on, definitely but not. I, you know,
1: <laughs> um, all right. So the next two are in a tier all their own
0: and let's cover Wade Allison. Real oh, that's quick. right. Yeah. I
1: forgot about Allison. Yeah, Just because Wade, got on Wade
0: on. Allison at number 10 is another guy who sometimes I've had a hard time getting a read on, mm-hmm. but he's, he's a, he's a really good player. I mean, they took him in the second round. He, he had an incredible 18 year old season. Um, In the NCAA And then his sophomore season He had 30 points in 22 games Before suffering an ACL injury That needed surgery That's 1.36 points a game That was 6th in the entire NCAA Including juniors and seniors I mean he had an incredible sophomore season But then he had the knee injury He missed most of last season with the knee injury He came back He just wasn't the same player Uh, He said at development camp that he's not fully healed But he looked very good at development camp he plays very heavy on the puck. Uh, he's a good passer. He's got a great shot. He's probably the second-best shooter in the Flyers' system after Joel Farabee. And, you know, I, I would just really hope that Allison can come back and have a good senior season. And I think that just – I think that, you know, him and Tanner Lozinski, next summer they can become free agents. I think Wade Allison really wants to sign with the Flyers. Mm-hmm. I don't think Lozinski does. But I think Allison will, will be with the Flyers – You know, sooner rather than later. He'll turn pro after his senior season. He'll sign with the Flyers. Maybe he'll spend some time with the Phantoms, but I think he's a surefire NHL player.
1: Nice. All right, so tier three. And it's two players on in this tier, and it's titled Sure, Fire, Impact, NHLer, and Breakout Goalie. Um, number six, Isaac Ratcliffe, is a guy that I've liked him ever since the Flyers drafted him. There's so, I mean, having a guy at his size, 6'5", 210, is what you have enlisted. And I'm sure that's what he is online. Um, having a guy at his size that can do what he can do with the puck is... I mean, it's it's nothing. To, it's not something to just scoff at. I mean, players at 6'5 don't usually have the hands that he does. They're usually the guys that, you know, you put them in front of the net on the power play, they get the dirty goals. But he can score the pretty goals. He, I mean, he has a lot of offensive skill that makes him a real threat in that zone. And number seven, you have at, uh, Samuel Airson, who, again, the Flyers – when they had Ron Hextall, clearly the plan was draft as many goalies as you can and hope two of them can be a tandem. So right now they're they're, they're looking pretty good there because they have Carter Hart as their starter, and we'll see what happens down the road as far as his backup goes. But what do you got on these two? Obviously, um, you know Isaac Ratcliffe is coming off one hell of a season. He is now a champion, so he knows how to win. Um, so what do you have on these two on, on Ratcliffe and Ersu?
0: Yeah, so let's start with Erson, who was the goalie that the Flyers took last year. And he honestly, he had just about the best 18-year-old season that I've seen a European goaltender have in a long time. I mean, he was playing in Sweden's second-tier league, the Alvinskamp, and he finished second in the entire league. This is against professionals, second in the entire league with a 9.33 save percentage, fourth within the 1.95 goals against average. There were only three goalies in the league under the age of 20. Keep in mind, he was 18. Only three guys under the age of 20. And he's the only one who played a majority of his team's games. He was phenomenal at the World Junior Championships uh, for the Swedes. And he's just, he's he's great positionally. He's a very good athlete. I, I, it's hard for me to find a better goalie prospect out there right now from last year's draft than Arizona. And so I just, I think that, you know, he's going to be playing in the, the SHL this year, Sweden's top, Professional league, he's going to be playing with Brynäs, the same team that Oscar Lindblom uh, played for and that Felix Sandstrom played for. Uh just he's a he's a very very good goalie prospect, and you know at some point the Flyers are going to have to figure out what they're going to do because if Felix Sandstrom becomes an NHL goalie, now you're going to have Air zone too. If he keeps developing like he is, you're they're going to have to trade someone at some point, which is good because <laughs> these guys are going to have a these guys are going to have a lot of value. Could you, um, be- can here, you believe that the Flyers are going to have too many good goalies? I know. I mean, let's oh keep our gosh. fingers crossed because goalie development is notoriously fickle. But they've right. got Kirill Ustamenko, who was an mm-hmm. honorable mention on my list. He's a very good Russian goalie. So, you know, they're blessed with very good goalies. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Airzone does in the SHL. Then you talk about Isaac Ratcliffe. Like he's a 6'5", 210-pound winger. a monster. Winger. He's a monster. He's the captain for his junior team that won the mm-hmm. OHL championship, the Guelph Storm. He scored 50 goals last season. He's got incredible hands. I mean, he scores beautiful goals. He's good defensively. There's really nothing not to like about Isaac Ratcliffe. He's, he's not as he's not as dynamic of a player because of his kind of lack of breakaway speed mm-hmm. as like a Farabee or a Frost. But he is going to be an NHLer. He's going to score a lot of goals in the NHL, especially playing alongside guys like Morgan Frost who are going to get him the puck. But one thing about Ratcliffe, well, first of all, he reminds me of Eric Daze. I don't know how many of our listeners remember him, but he was a six-five gentle giant with the Blackhawks. He had four different 30-goal seasons. Wow. And he reminds me a lot of him. Here's the thing. Flyers fans, when they see a big guy out there, always think that he's going to be hitting people.
1: Yep. Radcliffe
0: is, is not a very physical player. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll use his size to shield the puck. But don't expect him to drop the gloves or lay out a big hit. But what you can expect him to do is he's gonna be a twenty to thirty goal scorer in the NHL.
1: Beautiful. That's what we need. We need the I've been looking for the I mean, it's almost like um it's almost like John LeClaire, kind of a bigger guy. And LeClaire had a lot of the goals that would be, you know, just the junk goals in front of the net, but he he could fire the puck too. And, you know, having another guy like that in your in your organization is nothing, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it's no, it's, it's nice to have. Let's just put it that way. So now we're in the top five and another, another tier that just has two, two guys. It's tier two electrifying new additions. And of course we're talking about the 2019 first and second round draft picks. Uh, Number four is Cam York. The flyers took him obviously this past draft. Uh, And then Number five, Bobby Brink, who, if you looked at all the pre-draft rankings, a lot of people had him going in the first round, and he slipped to the Flyers in the second, and again, two really good draft picks for the Flyers, a, a really good start to the Chuck Fletcher draft era, and obviously we've been spoiled after having Ron Hextall for the last few years, so... This is the first time either of these players is on the list. We've talked a lot about them around the draft and now we're going to talk about them again. So for the people out there that don't know much about Cam York, first round pick, Bobby Brink, second round pick, what do the Flyers have in these guys that made them already the fourth and fifth best players on your list?
0: Cam York, you know, there was there was one standout defenseman in this year's draft, Bowen Byram and then After that, it was kind of hodgepodge. And and upon doing further research, I am convinced that Cam York, for today's NHL, was the second-best defenseman available. And he was taken as, like, the fifth defenseman at at number 14. The Flyers traded down because they, you know, probably thought that he was going to be available, and they really wanted him. He's a smaller guy. He's, like, 5'11", 175. But Cam York is built for today's NHL because the thing that stands out to me about him, first of all, he's a phenomenal skater, Uh, but his decision-making – He always seems to make the right decision. Uh, You know, just an example. He'll come out from behind the net, and whereas a guy like Shane Gossespierre might try and skate it up and break the other team's blue line himself. If there's a pass available to a guy who's got speed, Cam York's always going to make that pass. He just always seems to make the right decision. He's a terrific passer. Uh, He also can score some pretty goals when he needs to. But he's just, he makes fast decisions. He's a really good passer. He had a sensational season last year playing for the U.S. national development team, and they had their best team ever. That was a team that Jack Hughes was on, that, you know, Turcott was on, and York was their best defenseman. Uh, he's going to Michigan this coming season, and I think he'll probably be one of the better freshmen in the country. He's a guy who, despite his small stature, he might, ol- he might only need one season in college before he turns pro because his game is so NHL ready right now. Uh he's he's just a really exciting prospect and it helps the Flyers rebuild their defense group because after Provorov, Sandheim, Myers, uh those all three of those guys have already turned pro, there wasn't really a, a top tier defenseman in the system. So I think it was important that they got one and they got it with York. And then, you know, me and you love us some Bobby Brink. I mean, yeah. we talked about him before the draft. He's a guy who people had going in, like, the picks 15 to 25 range. Mm-hmm. He, slipped. he slipped to the beginning of the first, second rounds, and the Flyers traded up. And I'm just thinking to myself, please let it be to take Bobby Brink. And they announced it, and it was just very exciting. They traded up from 45 to 34. Bobby Brink destroyed the USHL, which is the United States Junior Hockey League, this past season, he had 68 points in 43 games. That led all uh, under-18 players in the league by a lot. At the end of the year, he played in the World Under-18 Tournament with the U.S. He was playing with Cam York and Jack Hughes. He put up six points in five games. He has, first of all, his middle name is Orr. His dad's a huge <laughs> hockey fan. That's crazy. And his Bobby Brink's top attributes, his hockey IQ... Is off the charts. I mean, you watch him play; he's always making the right play. But he's also got high-end playmaking ability. He's got uh, greater awareness. He's a really good passer. He's got a great shot, and he's also pretty tenacious. Um, you know, he's a guy that and he plays with fire, which I love. I mean, you you watch, you know, go to my article, and, and one of his his goals was an OT goal, one-time blast, and then he yeah. does the Evgeny Kuznetsov celebration. You know, he's 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 got everything the one question mark is his skating there have been some question marks about his skating he's got a good first few strides but it starts looking a little choppy after that i'm sure he'll fix it i mean he's a smaller player 5'8 170 but i he he plays solid and i i you know that this is a really high upside pick he could become a first line nhl player
1: awesome all right so here we go top three and i saw you put the so you put a little contest out there for people to guess the top three rankings. Top five. top. Oh, it was top five or it was top three? Yeah. Um, all right, well, okay, never mind on that. But as far as the top three goes, um, I'll, I'll let you – because I, I, I could tell just by looking at one and two, and I know how much you like both of these players. And the player at number one is the only one of these guys that I have seen live. I actually went, made the trip, saw him play in college. It was awesome. So I'll let – I can only imagine. It was probably like choosing between two children on how you pulled out one and two. So I'll I'll let you take it away and kind of go through the process of what made – you know everything that went into your decision-making to get get the top three guys and put them on this list.
0: So, yeah, I mean the Flyers, I think, have a clear-cut top three Mm -hmm. prospects, and they all – you know, we're talking about guys that I think are top-pairing defensemen or, you know, Cam York is probably going to be a top-pairing defenseman, but he's not as close to the NHL as, as the guys in my top three. So number three is Phil Myers, who some people could have had number one. And he also, you know, he played in, what, he played in like 21 NHL games last season. So he, if he played four more games, he would not have been eligible for my list. And I quite honestly thought about not including him. But I like to do my list by who is still an NHL rookie, and he's one. But Myers, you know, he's Phil Myers is a potential top-pairing NHL defenseman. He's 6'5", 210, phenomenal skater, great shooter, good pa- good passer. He's literally has everything you need to become a top-pairing NHL defenseman. And I think long-range, he's going to become Ivan Proverov's, uh partner on the top pair. You know, he's... What I always use to describe him is the word instinctual because I watch him play and he just always looks like he knows where to be and he's making the right play and I think his positioning is sound and I'm just a huge Phil Myers fan. I had him ranked ahead of Travis Sandheim as a Flyers prospect. I just, uh, you know, he's he's a very good defenseman and I think that his, uh, hopefully he'll, he'll stay healthy and his NHL career will just keep going up and up. Which left me with my, Two favorite flyers prospects, and I had to figure out how to rank them. And I'm talking about Morgan Frost, who I've spent lots of time writing articles about, and Joel Farabee. I am, yeah, Morgan Frost. (laughs) um, You know, his his dad, Andy Frost, is a great guy, and um, you know, it's this was a really tough one because they both have such high upside, and quite honestly, Morgan Frost probably has more offensive upside in terms of points that he could put up there just because he could turn into an absolute power play behemoth. I mean, we're talking about he could be a Claude Giroux on the power play, which is how how skilled he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I ultimately went with here is that I thought that Joel Ferebee, his freshman season in college was so impressive compared to the other freshmen, the other players who are 18 years old, that I thought it was a more impressive first season Out of the draft than Morgan Frost Which is saying a ton Because Morgan Frost in his draft plus one season Was the runner up for MVP in the OHL Morgan Frost put up uh, 112 points in 67 games um, uh, Which, you know, is crazy I mean, he just had huge numbers He was the runner up for the league MVP award Uh, But Joel Farabee as a freshman at, at Boston He started off a little bit slow, but he ended up with 36 points in 37 games, which was eight more goals than any other under 19 uh, NCAA. So he basically doubled the goal output of any other guy his own age in the NCAA. Six more points. It's a. I think the NCAA is a tougher league. For 18-year-olds to succeed in than the Canadian juniors, because there's a lot of 20 and 21-year-olds in NCAA, and there aren't in the Canadian juniors. And I just thought that Farabee's first season after being drafted was so impressive that I put him over Frost. I also think that there's still some potential that Morgan Frost—not that he could become a bust—I think he's going to become a pretty good NHL player, but. I think there's some. I still think that Frost it might need some time to adapt to the NHL game. Last year in training camp, he looked a little out of place. He looked a little hesitant. I think it'll be different this year. He's a lot more confident after he had a, just another sensational season. Um, he was the, Frost was the leading scorer at the World Juniors for Team Canada, which is obviously insane. But um, Farabee's floor is a second line NHL winger. I mean, he is so good at everything. You watch Ferebee play, first of all, he never takes a shift off. His hustle's off the charts. Um, he His hockey IQ is also off the charts. I mean, he's just always in the right spot. His passing ability is great. He's the best shooter in the Flyers' system, which gets overlooked because of how good of a passer he is and how um, how high his hockey IQ is and how good of a skater he is. But uh, but his shot is, is awesome. And so I just think that Joel Ferebee does literally everything. You could tell me that the Flyers were going to start the season with Faraby on the first line with Couturier and Giroux, and I would be completely okay with that. That's how good I think that Joel Faraby is. Uh, he, I, I watch him play, and I honestly see guys like Jonathan Taze and Mark Scheifele. I took a lot of heat for making those comparisons, but he's he's that good. Joel Faraby is a can't-miss prospect, and I just, I'm such a huge fan of his that I put him up at number one over Morgan Frost, even though I also love Morgan Frost. And his Morgan Frost is the best passer in the Flyers system. He, he makes passes that no one would even think about or, or see develop on the ice. That's how good he is as a passer. He's also a good goal scorer. He's a good skater. I think there's just a few more question marks about Morgan Frost's game than Joel Therapy.
1: So when we're talking about the third-line winger... Which has obviously been a huge talking point amongst Flyers fans this whole offseason. Um, two of the biggest question marks going into the offseason were second line center and third line winger. They got second line center locked up. Again, didn't make everybody happy. People are still bitching about it. Um, but we're talking about the second or the third line winger. Obviously, these two get a lot of mention for Austin Farabee. What do you think? That, like, I think this. This is such a it's such a pivotal thing for the Flyers to get this right and to look at who they have in their as their prospects they have to nail who they're going to put into that spot because they're lining whoever it is up with uh God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh Nolan Patrick who to this point hasn't Well maybe. Well, yeah. You know,
0: I I I'd like to think I I I almost have started thinking about the Flyers top three lines is almost like the top nine. Okay. Because I don't know if quite honestly, like I'd want to have a line of Oscar Lindblom, Nolan Patrick and a rookie.
1: Right. Because those are three pretty
0: you young players. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've got Jake Vorchek playing with Nolan Patrick and a rookie, or maybe you have got Couturier and Drew playing with a rookie. Like it all depends on how ready these guys look, but I'm, I'm trying not to think of it as too much as like a third line winger and like more like, okay, who's going to be the flyers rookie that's going to impress so much in camp that they could play anywhere in the lineup on the wing.
1: Well, who do you think that would be? Joel Farabee. Farabee. He's that good I, huh? I think so. Yeah.
0: Um, I think Morgan Frost also could be that good. And I think that German Rupsov potentially could be. He's a guy that I think more of is like a third line player. But mm-hmm. I just I think Joel Farabee so good right now that I, I think you could plug him in with Couturier and Giroux and I, I think he would look at home.
1: Yeah, so I mean, looking at this a little further, and something we haven't spoken, we haven't done an episode since. uh, I guess the most recent big Flyers news came down, and that's Paul Holmgren stepping aside as the team's president. And so now you have a front office that it's constructed of not one former flyer, and all the people that are making the big decisions for the Flyers have never had a role with the team before as far as, you know, player, coach, anything like that. So it's the first time, I, maybe, probably, certainly in my lifetime, that this has ever happened for the Flyers. And so now you look at it, the old regime is completely out. It's the new regime. It's the Chuck Fletcher way of life now for the Flyers. And I think that kind of helps. I mean, it gives kind of a fresh perspective on these players, and they want to win now. The Flyers have said that. They have showed that with the moves they made this offseason. They're gearing up to make a strong playoff run, and dare I say it, making a strong run for the Stanley Cup. So I think that gone are the days where we saw in recent years they've kind of shied away from giving these young players their shot and, you know, maybe progressing them ahead to the main roster a little earlier than they would like to. Mm. And I don't. I think where the Flyers are at right now, if they think that Joel Faraby or Morgan Frost can help them right now win, they're going to do it. And they're just, you know, they're not really concerned so much with the development. They just want to win and they want the best players on the ice.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still think that's a little unfair. I mean, they did. Travis Konechny made the team as a 19-year-old. Ivan Provorov made the team as a 19-year-old. Nolan Patrick made the team as an 18-year-old. I I think that the press regime was letting guys who are NHL-ready play and then it just, or make the team. And then I think more of the issue with people had was like, oh, here's how Dave Dave Haxtell's using Travis Konechny, and it's bullshit, right? Right. I think that's kind of where the issue came in. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, I think that going into the offseason, the Chuck Fletcher probably wanted to try and get a third line winger via free agency, but the reality is, is that they spent a lot of money on Niskanen and Braun and Kevin Hayes, and this and the cap they thought was going to be $83 million, but it's only $81.5 and so I think that they're now sort of like forced to look really hard at having one of these rookies um, make the team, one or two of them. Wait, but fortunately me. for them, I think that some of these guys are going to be ready.
1: Yeah. Um, as far as the cap goes, one thing I've never really, i never even looked to see how it's like, where, where's the cap number come from? How is it set year after year?
0: Well, oh, it's, I believe it's set between the, uh, the NHL and the NHLPA kind of like come up with a number. They look at like what the revenue shares are that okay. the NHL has generated via the media rights deals. And they just kind of come up with something.
1: Cause I'm seeing a lot of players that probably shoot like think a lot of teams lose really good homegrown players because the cap is probably too low and the salary just isn't there to give them what they deserve and they're going on to other teams and it's usually the lower you know the lower level the you know the lesser market teams that are losing out on these guys
0: well it's crazy that the amount of well, uh, restricted free agents that are still on site yeah I mean uh, Patrick Liney Zach Warenski, Kyle Connor, Matthew Kachuk, Mitch Marner, Provorov, Konechny, Miko Rantanen, Charlie McAvoy, Brock Besser, Braden Point. It's crazy the these amount are, of these guys these that are aren't good signed. Young
1: players in the league that and and
0: it's and and yeah, and it's because they all want a lot of money. It's like changed. they now RFA's. There's no bridge deals anymore. Sanheim got one, but now these guys want to get paid. They want to get paid long term, and it's creating a lot of issues for teams. I mean, the Rangers right now are four million dollars over the cap. Yeah, they're going to have to buy out guys or make trades. Um, But yeah, it's there's a lot of
1: crazy cap. And that's the other. I mean, when you look at let's let's kind of talk about the offseason, what the Flyers did. Yeah, I mean, I know
0: we're we're getting deep into the show now. we probably get to get some questions at some point. But uh, but yeah,
1: I just wanted to touch on because I think that obviously the Metro was one of the stronger divisions already. I think the Devils have gotten a little better. The Rangers have gotten better. The Flyers. Obviously, are better than they were last year, and I just wonder if, obviously, the Capitals are still in the mix, and you know the Penguins are, are there. Columbus is, I mean, the Columbus is, I don't even know what they are anymore. They've, they're kind of just, they went all in for a Stanley Cup and obviously didn't get it. But, I mean, are the moves the Flyers made enough to put them in a top three spot in this division? 100%.
0: I mean, the blue, like you said, the Blue Jackets, they're going to have a tough time, especially without mm-hmm. Um The Rangers, you know, look, they added Truba, Panarin, and they got Capo, Kako, and they traded for Adam Fox, but they still have a ton of question marks. Yeah. I think they're going to be better than the Devils, but I just don't think they're going to be very good. The Devils, again, again, have a ton of question marks. Like, yeah, they added Jack Hughes, and they traded for Subban, and they just traded for Nikita Gusev, but they've got – a ton of question marks. and net, they're not as deep. I mean, you look at the rosters and the Flyers. To me, their roster is, is second or third best in this division, or third or fourth best after the Caps, the Penguins, and the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clear to me on paper. This, it was the same thing last year, though. But it's clear to me on paper that the Flyers are a playoff team. A lot of it's going to come down to Carter Hart. I mean, I've I've put out there on Twitter, he's my biggest question mark for this team. You look at all the rookie 20-year-old goaltenders, guys like uh, Carey Price and Vasilevsky, they all regressed from year 20 to 21. And that's what we're dealing with, with Carter Hart, but it's a small sample size, and maybe he bucks that trend, but he's my main concern. But I think absolutely they're, on paper, they're a playoff
1: team. Carter Hart is pretty – I mean, I, I, I hear your concerns with him, and they're valid, but I, I think Carter Hart is a very cerebral player. He's obviously Well, I mean, Carey
0: Price and Vasilevsky probably are too. I mean, they're yeah. two of the best goalies in the league.
1: True. Yeah. I just I, – I, I don't see him – I don't know. I mean, it, it all remains to be seen, but I just – I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I think that, I think he's just kind of, I think he's got it together between the ears. And I think that he'll be able to weather the storm. I'm not going to say it's going to be smooth sailing the whole season. There's going to be ups and downs. There are with every season, but I think that, you know, I think he'll be able to weather those downs and, and, and see through it and, end up having a pretty good season and, and, helping. And really I expect the flyers to be a play. I don't, I don't expect, and I, I'm sure obviously you do the same. I don't think we're, we're, we're done with them being a bubble playoff team. You should look at the flyers as a sure thing in the playoffs, just by the moves they've made, the veterans they've brought in the next step that you expect guys like Limbaum connect Patrick to have. Now you have the goalie in place. So I think that, yeah, the flyers should be, shouldn't be a wild card team. They should be a top three team in the Metro. And I think that'll be pretty apparent early in the season, but I know we have some questions we have to get to. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, we put out there, we got some questions as always from our uh, loyal listeners. And so I figure we can go down some of them. Some a lot of them are prospects oriented. We got Tom Sloan was out there drinking coffee all morning and he sent us a bunch of questions, <laughs> but um, so here's a question from someone who I, I don't think is a Flyers fan. Uh, liminal justice at liminal justice. Okay. Why do so many Flyers fans expect not ultra-high picks like Ratcliffe, Frost, Farabee, Cam York to come up, maybe he's is a Flyers fan, and or be stars instantly? You know, the way Aho or Pedersen didn't. Well, first of all, I think Pedersen was a star right away. Anyway, he asks, is that a media failure? So, I mean, I guess... Part of this is I don't completely disagree. I mean, I, I think that especially guys like Frost and Fairby, maybe they're not gonna be stars instantly, but I think they'll make an offensive impact. Um, I think that Nolan Patrick could be a good example, but he was taken second. He didn't really come up and light the world on fire. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is because his team hasn't been great. And so teams and their but their prospect system has been. So fans have really been honing in on the prospects of the Flyers as the thing that could turn everything around for this franchise. And so I think that that's kind of the way that they look at it. And you've got guys like Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny who kind of were immediate impact players, especially Provorov. So I don't know. I don't think it's a media failure. and I, I, I think that all fans are probably, from all teams, are a little higher on their own prospects. Yeah, you and want something to be excited for. Right.
1: That's all the Flyers have really had to be excited for the last few years is their prospects. So, you know, you hear national media. I mean, not so much the local, because the local media is just wrapped up in the other teams. But when you go from the national media and you see the Flyers ranked in the top five or higher in total prospect pool, then, yeah, you're going to get excited about these guys. So I think, yeah. So for once, we're excited. Let us have it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Tom Sloan at majorly underscore Tom. Again, he says he was drinking his morning coffee. He came out with a lot of questions. So I'm just kind of like going to go hammer through these. We appreciate the questions, and they're good ones too. Um, Without injuries, how high would you have put Allison and Sandstrom? I mean, that's a tough question to answer. I think Allison probably would have definitely been in the top. He probably would have (sighs) been number seven, I would say, Um, if he hadn't been injured because I think big believer in his skill set, And I'm coming to realize that the injuries have really had a lot to do with uh, his struggles. Sandstrom's a tricky one because he still has never really, even take out the injuries out of the equation, he has not really had a great statistical season in the SHL. His high ranking for me has been more about what I've seen and his performance in the World Juniors and his pedigree. And so I'm not sure how much higher he'd be, but Maybe if he didn't have the injuries the last few years, he would have. I mean, it's a tough question to answer. You just don't know how these guys would have performed. But um, Ruby over Allison, I think that uh, I think that he's asking if I put Ruby over Allison because he's a center. No, I, self, I. By the way, yeah, Rup sub. I just think Rup sub is a little more. I think Rup sub's got a little more natural skill and playmaking ability than mm-hmm. Allison, and he's also closer to the NHL. Um. Would your top five, ten look differently if only based on perceived floor? Yes, definitely. I mean, I probably wouldn't have zone in the top ten if it's perceived floor.
1: Right.
0: And, you know, guys like um <sighs> Allison might not be in there just because of the injuries. You know, yeah, it would definitely look a little bit different. Um He's got a couple more. Assuming no trades or added free agents, which forward prospects are on roster in 2021 based on four possible open spots? So, which guys, let's see, 2021, which of the guys are going to be on the roster? I would say that Joel Farabee will, Morgan Frost will, Isaac Ratcliffe will, and German Rupsov would be the four forwards that I think uh, will be on this roster from the prospect list for the year 2021. Um, and some of the other guys I've mentioned, you know, might be, it depends on if they make trades and they need fourth line players. Those are guys I'm thinking are going to be top nine, um, which are over under a number of these top 20 who never played for the Flyers. Okay. That's interesting. So, Let's go down the list. Faraby, I'd say yes. We'll play on them. Frost, yes. Myers, yes. York, yes. Brink, yes. Ratcliffe, yes. Airstone, questionable. Zemula, uh, questionable. Rupsov, yes. Allison, questionable. Samstrom, yes. Ogbear, questionable. O'Brien, questionable. Vrobiev, um. He he has played for them, but moving forward, I'd say questionable. Morant, yes, that's nine. Cates, I think will that's ten. Albie Q Bell, yes, eleven. lazinski questionable. Yining, questionable. Milman, questionable. So I would put the over under at ten and a half hmm. on guys from this list that will play for the Flyers. I'll so take the eight, under eight. Who will? Yeah, it's probably a safe bet. Yeah. Who are your three most likely to never land in Philly? Okay, well, Tanner Lasinski is an easy one because I don't think he's signing here. Um, pains me to say, but I don't think oh, I don't think Ogbeir is going to sign. Yeah. So, and probably Vorobyev might get moved. So, those would be the three guys who I'd say might not play again for the Flyers. But Yinning and Millman are such big question marks that probably include them, right? Especially Millman. Right, I think that's all, Tom's questions. Thanks Good for stuff, sending Tom. those in. I hope you're I hope are you've uh, Ease yourself off of the coffee a
1: little bit. Yeah, you got to slow slow down with that. It's uh, – you're going to die.
0: Do you have the list in front of you? I do.
1: Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, you want another prospect question?
0: Oh, yeah, which whatever. Uh, wherever right, you want to
1: go. All right, so Tommy Tomasino, who is a frequent question asker and a loyal listener, uh, asks you, has Pascal leberge fallen out of favor or have they soured on him? seems like he is, quote, the forgotten guy, with, uh, and with Albe Kubel having to go through waivers, does he have the edge for the third-line spot?
0: I just, I think, you know, LaBerge was a second-round pick. He had that horrible concussion. He's never been the same. I still think he's a long shot to make the NHL, And especially the Flyers, because they have so much forward depth in the prospect ranks. I just, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he's the forgotten guy. I think there's going to be a lot of forgotten guys. And I just don't think LaBerge has got what it takes at this point to make the NHL, especially with the Flyers. Alba Q Bell, you know, we talked about it. I don't think he's got the edge for the third line spot. I don't think that Alba Q Bell is going to be a top nine forward for the Flyers this year, but I think. I think it's most likely that he's an extra forward on the Flyers roster because Mm -hmm. of the waiver situation. But I could see him getting a fourth line role out of training camp.
1: Um, Isha Jerome at VIS Sports Talk asks, how many of Tom's questions will be answered tonight? The answer to that is obviously all of them. Um, And then he says, also, what franchise has made more critical changes in your guys' minds, Philly or New Jersey? Um, Philly, without a doubt. The Flyers went from a team that was obviously on the outside looking in pretty much all of last season. And we've already said that they should be a lock for the playoffs. The Devils have made moves, but you've already highlighted some of their questions. I mean, getting Jack Hughes is big. P.K. Subban was a nice addition, but I think the Flyers are a much more complete team than the Devils.
0: I mean, look, what I loved about the Flyers offseason was that, say what you will about Fletcher overpaying in trades and free agent signings, but Chuck Fletcher had a very clear plan, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted to sign Kevin Hayes to get that second-line center locked up, and he wanted to add two veteran right-handed defensemen to play with some of the young kids, and he did it got and he got Braun. Now look, you might not like those moves, but he had a specific goal in mind and he accomplished it. And I like that. I looked at the devil's moves and they had just have so many holes on that team that, you know, they couldn't fill all of them. And I, it's a little more of ragtag moves. Like they got lucky and they got Jack Hughes. Like right. that's not a it's critical not change they made. Right. I mean, they traded for Subban. Okay. You know, he's a pretty good player. I think he's a little overrated. They trade, they signed Wayne Simmons. He's the third highest paid forward on that team. Like, it's crazy. Um, I don't think he has much left. And then they traded for Gusev, which again seems like maybe a good move, but, but not something that they probably, yeah, not something that they probably thought they were going to do heading into the offseason. I like that Fletcher had goals in mind and he accomplished
1: them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh Gene, Jean, Jean the dancing machine. Uh that's at TH Gersh. Uh you think we keep everyone in the top five or six? Do we have the space to keep them? If we don't keep them, um who who do you see them get who do you see getting moved?
0: I think a lot of it depends on what happens this season. I I just don't I don't see them moving any of these guys in the top six. Um I don't think they're going to move Farabee. I don't think they'll move Frost. I don't think they're going to move Phil Myers, obviously. They're not going to move Cam York or Bobby Brink anytime soon. They just traded those guys. And Isaac Ratcliffe is not a guy you're going to trade. I think that he's, um, you know, he's just, he brings a lot to the team. You then get into number seven, and you look at Sam Ersohn, and look, if Ersohn has another brilliant season in the SHL, and Felix Sandstrom's doing well with the Phantoms, and the Flyers are like, need to add someone at the deadline to make a, a cup push. Airstone's the kind of guy who could get moved, but I don't think anyone in that top five or six is going anywhere.
1: Okay. Um, Hank Nelson Abbott at uh, Flyers Lunatic says, will the Flyers make the playoffs? I'm going to give an emphatic yes. And you?
0: Yeah. Yes. Let's do
1: it. All right. Um, Andrew Alton at Alton Philly 444. Uh, based on C2Ts, obviously Chucky two-trades moves, uh, Braun and Niskanen to be exact. These are moves that tell us fans uh, we're just on the brink of, a, of cup contention. The cup implications, oh, I'm sorry, the cap implications from these moves are pretty significant. Am I wrong for not believing it? Um, I mean, yeah, from the moves, the Niskanen move, I didn't like that they had to eat. they absorb so much of you know they let a guy go they let a guy go who was in the last year of his deal to bring in a a niskin in who has an extra year that they now have to deal with um i don't i wasn't huge on that move for from that perspective because the flyers had some cap relief coming and not that they really handcuffed themselves, but I would have liked next off season to have as much money as possible but I like the veteran presence. I like the experience that Niskanen brings in. Um, from a cap, from a cap mindset, yeah. I, I don't know if if the Flyers are that well set up too much, but right now it's about winning, and that's what they wanted to do, and that's why they made the moves they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to be skeptical of whether or not Braun especially, and maybe Niskanen into how much they've got left in the tank, what they're mm-hmm. going to bring. But you look at this roster, like your third defense pairing is going to be Shane Gostespierre and Phil Myers. That's you can't good. tell me yeah. that that can't be the best third NHL pairing in the league. Like if Carter Hart plays like he did last year or takes a step forward, you're going to have one of the better goaltenders in the league. Right. And you've got a top nine with Giroux, Couturier, Van Riemsdyk, Konechny, Voracek, Hayes, Patrick, Lindblom, one of these young kids. You're going to have a better fourth line than last year. Like, I don't, I just, I don't, again, maybe I'm being the over-optimistic Flyers fan, but I just don't see any reason why this team can't contend for a playoff spot and, and maybe, just maybe, be a cup
1: contender. The way I look at it, too, is if you look at, not just in hockey, and I don't have the information in front of me, but even all sports, usually the best teams in every league are the, are, you know, they don't have this, plethora of cap space they they use it up because they have good players and that's what the flyers didn't have cap space before because they had bad players and and, and bad contracts due to you know mismanagement the flyers now are have some cap space not a lot because they've brought in better players at higher numbers so if you want a good team chances are you're not going to have a huge amount of cap space to play with and this is a good spot you know it's crazy to say that the flyers not having a lot of cap space puts them in a good spot but when you look at how the roster is constructed yet yeah, they're in a good spot right now because they're a better team than they were just last year so i think that's... there's that one it. more
0: which is going to test our memory oh, don b maybe right. cuz don b at match penalty 21 okay. asks uh, how did you and how did you and mark meet <laughs> I started listening around the Shen trade podcast, worked my mm-hmm. way. He's a, this, he's a great listener. Damn, he remember stuff that we don't remember. I know this is impressive. Uh, worked my way back and I've listened to them all, but I don't remember hearing how you two came to start the podcast. I don't think you had met prior to last year's stadium series game, right? No, we'd actually gone to a game yeah. before that, but what do you, you remember the stadium series how did, together? how did, uh, how did we, I know you started the podcast and then kind of started having me on. What do mm-hmm. you Do you remember this one?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, so, yeah, basically just a couple of years ago, I – this is good. This is a good question for the 50th oh, episode. Oh, great question. <laughs> and he didn't even know. Or he I might know. Have.
0: That's very impressive.
1: Um, so, yeah, I, a couple of years ago, I was just kind of – I had like a couple of other podcasts that never really did anything just because there was nobody dedicated to doing it with me. So, I, you know – I've always liked the Flyers. I wanted to do a Flyers centric thing and you know just started reaching out to you know different people on Twitter, found Phileas Flyer, came to the idea of having, you know, an exclusive Flyers podcast with them and uh, Ant over Phileas Flyer was more than willing to do it. So really the first couple episodes were just me and whoever from the site wanted to jump on And the feedback that I got from, you know, friends that listened said that the best chemistry, the best episodes were when Dan came on. So I just kind of made the executive decision that it was going to be me and Dan moving forward. And, you know, every. And and we have. We've had other Phileas Flyer writers hop on from time to time. But, yeah, that's really how it came to be. It was just. There was an instant chemistry between me and Dan, and it just it just kind of worked. And we've met a couple times. We've gone to a couple games since then, and it was not the stadium series. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much – that's how mom and dad met.
0: And the chemistry definitely extended to uh, in-person as well.
1: Yeah. It was not awkward. and I'm, I
0: had that twinkle in my eye, you know, yeah, when I saw it. Yeah, that's right. Mark.
1: I'm yeah. always – I'm not huge on meeting new people, and <laughs> – like when you when you asked to go to that game I was I like I love meeting new people. Yeah, I don't. And yeah, so yeah. when you asked I'm like yeah, I'll do it, whatever. And it was <laughs> it was more like at the urging of of my ex-girlfriend who's just like just go.
0: Are You serious? Well, she We've been not- doing the
1: podcast. What do
0: you think I was like? No, uh,
1: no, 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 no. No, like I was just like I don't know cuz it's one thing to talk for an hour on here but having to sit through an entire hockey game with somebody that you really don't know all that well. You, you know, been... this is a
0: problem with your generation, man. Yeah. It's although a lot of people in my generation are the same way. Like, I mean, you, from you all know, I
1: know you could have smelled, you could have had a, a terrible odor about you. I, I shower twice to... a day. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, see, there Typically. you go. Now I know that, but there yeah. was nothing wrong with you and, and everything's worked out.
0: Well, there, no, that's, there's definitely a lot wrong with me. However, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you just don't know it yet. <laughs>
1: All right, well, I'm looking forward to uh, another 50 episodes, and hopefully somewhere in those 50, well, I'm trying to think of the weeks. Yeah, why not? Somewhere, hopefully, in that 50, we're talking about Flyers playoff push, a good one, not a, hey, we're just happy to be here to play the Penguins, even though we're going to get our asses kicked. But yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah, we expect a good season. But Dan, once again, you know, a tremendous list by you. I don't know how you do it. You, know, you, you work full time. You have the lady at home. You have a lot going on. You guys are traveling all over the goddamn place. I don't know how you find the time to put this list together, but it's it's much appreciated from not only me, but, but Flyers fans in general.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, the, the folks can uh, take a look at the list at uh, phillyisflyer.com. It's one of the uh, the lead articles there if you go to that Philly Flyer site. And then um, – you could follow me on Twitter at uh, d silver eighty eight, and um, I was on a tweet on a lot of stuff today. I've just been a little annoyed with some of the the complaining, but I love I just you know love all the discussion with any Flyers fans, mm-hmm. and the, but, uh, so yeah, good yeah. stuff.
1: As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at mark flagman. That's with two N's. You could see my video that I put up last night of how to bread a chicken cutlet, which
0: I might take a look at that.
1: You know. It's it's something that I've been doing on my Instagram story. Just it's like bullshit how tos, and people. You could
0: become the next Instagram sensation.
1: Yeah, my friends think it's hilarious, and that's that's good enough for me. As long as I can make them laugh, then I know I'm doing something right. But yeah, uh, so you could check that out uh, at Mark Flagman Two Ends. You can see me bitching about the Phillies, which is a whole nother issue. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied and of course check out dan's top 20 prospect list on Phileasflyer.com and all the wonderful content at Phileasflyer.com. dan it's been a pleasure thank you again for informing the masses um you know hopefully we're 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 coming down to the wire here we're almost in august so before you know it's going to be training camp before you know it it's going to be We're going to be dropping the puck on a new season. So hopefully in the next coming weeks, we will do another episode to really dive into the season ahead and the off season that has, um, that we're pretty deep into right now. So until next time, everybody enjoy your life. Let's go Flyers.